Philip Bateman from Bravo Charlie, and I'm here with Julia Spicer OAM, who is the Queensland Chief Entrepreneur. Correct. And a whole bunch of other things as well. Correct. Beating heart of rural Queensland, as far as it's been explained to me. Thank you. Big call. What does a Chief Entrepreneur do? Uh, So the Chief Entrepreneur uh, is an ambassador role for Queensland Government, so uh, looking at how do we make sure that we're promoting, advocating and championing for people across the innovation ecosystem, startups, investors, community enablers, uh, what does it mean in terms of some of the policy pieces we might want to have conversations around, but it's it's a role that's existed now for maybe seven or eight years in Queensland Government. I'm the fifth Chief Entrepreneur that Queensland's had. Uh, but very proudly, the first one that's been regionally based. You stole my next question. I was going to say you're the first one who's not from the cities. Correct. But what does that actually mean on the ground? Uh, So what it means on the ground, I think, I genuinely believe that the challenges that we all face in small business, startups as founders are probably not dissimilar, uh, whether we're based in um, Brisbane or Burma or somewhere in a rural setting, the, the challenges are probably not dissimilar. How we can solve those challenges in rural, regional and remote areas is different. We have fewer people. We maybe have less access to services or networks. Uh, there's research that shows it takes two years longer and $150,000 more for rural or regional startups to get to the starting line uh, because we don't have access to some of the networks. So I think the role being held by a regional person at the moment means that we can kind of flag some of those challenges or flag the impact of some of those challenges. Um, and, and I'm really excited to be able to do that. Mm. And I just came out of a session where we were talking for university uh, innovation laboratories and a bunch of VCs in the room and a bunch of like government support for that, talking about the challenges of commercialization uh, and innovation. And I think the version of innovation is very different depending on where you are. There's so much semantic density behind it. What does innovation from your perspective mean? And for that of the constituents that you're going out and talking to, probably in the SME space, I think big corporates have pretty much got it. Yeah. So the role is very much for all of Queensland. So the work that I do is across the state. Uh, My passion and and some of the priorities certainly lend themselves to the regions more. I think if we think about innovation and we look at what that means, uh, how that gets embedded into business, that's going to be different across the board. So uh, in some circumstances, it will be um, an engineering company looking at how they can put in new machinery to create the new product that they've been tinkering on in the shed. And what that might look like is their staff base goes from 10 FTEs to 16, yeah? Uh, And so that for them is their ability to innovate, create new product and create value based on that. Will they become a unicorn? Probably not. Will they employ thousands of people? Probably not. Will they be a saleable entity? Maybe not, but maybe that's also not what they're looking for. So I think this piece of how we define success then and where innovation plays a role in us reaching our success, that's the piece that really excites me. And that looks different uh, for all of us. You know, if we're in a small community of 6,000 people, that's going to look really different to downtown Melbourne. And my um, the way in which I will use innovation or the way in which I'll be able to access what I need to do the things that I need will be really different. Mm. I know I've had the opportunity to like work up in Cairns with like the Dawson's group and then going out into the shipyards and things like that, worked with a lot of uh, sort of mining adjacent services. And because the beating heart of Australia, from my experience, is these 
family-run businesses, maybe first, second, or even third generation now as we're starting to get on. And they're not trying to be unicorns. And this whole idea of building a unicorn, I genuinely kind of destroys the people trying to build the companies most of the time. Uh-huh. It makes it unattainable for a lot of us and therefore there's potentially a sense of failure, right? Mm. Um, and and so don't get me wrong, as a as a country and, and for our states and territories, we need businesses to be really successful. And and some of those businesses' success means that they're valued at billions of dollars and that's fantastic. Uh, but that's not the only definition of success mm. uh, and that's not the only value that we need to be placing on on activity. So to drive into that a little, I've been quizzing people as I've been walking around questions they'd ask you. And one I got from a large VC firm was how does the the KPIs of the government align with that of entrepreneurs that are out there in the community? Mm, good question. So I think if we look at what government defines as success as a volunteer to government, I should state, uh, but, you know, if we look at what uh, government often identifies as KPIs, it's increase in jobs, it's increase in livability of mm. communities, it's increase in salaries so that there's some more taxes coming in so that government can keep doing their things. Uh, and it's this, um, and it's this general well-being of community, right? So if we think about what government needs to show that they've been successful, more jobs, more money, more people living well, mm. uh, in a house. Mm. Uh, um, and so then if we look at, if that's what government identifies as KPIs, where do entrepreneurs help solve some of those problems? Where's the, where are the new business models that can help grow social enterprises in communities so that people are looked after, so that we are helping our aged population, so that we're helping people with a disability? Um, so, you know, so what are the, what's the entrepreneurial way in which we can help government deal with the problems that they're wanting to do? Because the entrepreneurs come with the solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're creating more ABNs. What's the role of women in regions to be able to step in and solve problems that they're seeing uh, and to be able to unlock some opportunities with that? So I think, um, you know, we look at what is it that the government's wanting to be able to do and realistically, often, it's entrepreneurs that are solving those problems. And so how do we then create the opportunity for entrepreneurs to be able to work with government to look at those solutions? Corporates do it really well. What we want to be able to do is also show that entrepreneurs and startups are also solving those problems for government and how do we create the opportunities for them to do that together. And you're about 10 months in, I believe, as the as the fifth chief entrepreneur. Yep. Uh, and you've come from a long background of doing other things, including yep. your own ventures before you got here. You're essentially the archetypal consultant who's now been flagged as a leader. What have you changed your mind about since being in this role? Ooh, uh, lots. Um, and I have this gig through until June 2024, so um, so still some work to do. Uh, I think so. Some of the things that I've identified is um, regional Australia and and Queensland in particular. I genuinely believe that we have the answers to the world's problems, not just Queensland problems, but I think we have the solutions. And and part of it is helping make those connections so that uh, we can help founders and startups you know, grow and scale to whatever level they want to be able to do. What I've identified, though, is how we make the link, how we create those connections um, between regional people and policy advisors, government, corporates in the big cities, um, there's a big gap there. Mm. (laughs) And so helping people meet and helping see that there's wisdom in the regions that should be incorporated into decision-making, leadership, governance, 
advice I I think is really important. Mm-hmm. So in my in my own world, I want to do some more work around that. Uh, and and I think you know looking at how we can take case studies from across the world uh, and look at where they could be useful or implemented across Queensland and Australia. That's that's the other piece for me. I'm really keen to see. Mm. And to get really specific, what's two one or two things you've found recently that have just made you go, wow, and what are you quite passionate about at the moment? Uh, I am really passionate about how we can support uh, alternative funding and finances for uh, people that don't currently have access to our fairly traditional forms of funding. And by that, I mean, uh, how do we get more women invested in, in, in different ways? And, and how do we get more First Nations people invested in? So we have great conversations around the amount of venture capital that's available across Australia. Uh, that's predominantly going to people, uh, that look sound and have similar experiences. Uh, and that's great. And we need that. But there's others in the in the networks that need to be funded. And so for me, it's around, you know, how do we have alternative investment opportunities for female-led uh, startups? And how do we make sure that we've got appropriate investment models for First Nations people uh, when capital might not be the same, when there's not generational wealth that can be accessed to be, you know, used as part of debt or equity? Uh, so, you know, I think we need to really look at some of those models. And, and it excites me that there's people that are working in that space. And I think it was wonderfully succinctly put by one of the heads of the Swinburne Venture Unit in the last session I was in, where he said, when I've got my venture hat on, I'm looking for the 1% that have the the product market fit, the great team, the scalable solution, the IP. And then he goes, when I put my uh, my like my Swinburne hat on of like supporting the community, there's 99% of people who don't fit into that model. Yeah. And bringing a young entrepreneur here yesterday, if you saw my previous video, who's 15, and this was his first Congress or first conference, actually. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, oh, I get it. it's not about making money. It's about helping people. And you make money too, but it's about helping people. Yeah. And my thoughts about him being exposed to our traditional system of like, oh, you get a startup and then you get your seed funding and then you get you know pre seed yeah. and the seed What's and your then exit you, strategy you know series A, series B, and then yeah. the VC take it and then they move you out and take your company and then they make a hundred X and then you're a unicorn. Woo! That's that's what all the press is talking about. Yeah. That doesn't actually help our yeah. society. Nope. Um, it, I mean, it sort of does by the numbers, but infinite growth on a finite system where we're sort of having having challenges with that at the moment aren't we if you're uh, if you're i was in torres strait um in far north queensland two weeks ago on an island of 360 people talking about climate change and what the impact will be on their seven generations the next seven generations and the fact that they are literally the dumping ground for plastics and rubbish from across Indonesia to mm-hmm. their island um, because of the currents and the and the um, marine waste that is literally uh, washing up mm-hmm. on their shores uh, and the solutions that they're coming up with the innovation that that looks like the businesses the micro enterprises that they're able to start there mm-hmm. you know I mean I think that's pretty inspiring I'm 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 really excited to hear about the multi billion dollar deals but I'm also you know yeah. this community that. In lots of ways, the problem is so big and so overwhelming, and yet they are coming up with place-based solutions that they think will work for them. And the opportunity from an innovation or entrepreneurial perspective is how does that become a model for other remote island communities that are dealing with climate, you know, how does that become a model that can be scaled mm. and shared with other similar communities around the world? That's That's the exciting bit. Yeah. And I mean, if we were able to transition our measure of 
growth from GDP to happiness mm. or well-being, yeah. the amount of our, the, units. the amount of capital we could reallocate into funding these things would just be staggering. Yeah. And that leads me to the fact that we are here at the Global Entrepreneurship Congress. If you're still listening uh, and you're not from Australia, thanks, because we're here in a global context. There's like 114 countries represented, Correct. MPs from 40 of them, I believe. Yeah. And the learnings you have here and what you've been exposed to over the past few days, how would you relate that out to people who are in different different spaces in different countries? Yeah, it's a really good question, Philip. I think what I get from the GEC, so I attended Saudi Arabia. I went to Riyadh in 2022 uh, and happily here in Melbourne for 23. It sounds really cliched, but I think events like this help identify that there's more than unites us than divides us. And I live in a rural town of about 6,000 population. Uh, I get to talk with people from across America, Canada, Uganda, and Zambia who also have small towns of 6,000 people, and we can actually share mm. some experiences. How have you done this? What does that look like? And and quite often, you know, they're the conversations that are as relevant to me as it is talking to people who are based in Brisbane, Sydney, or Melbourne. Um, and, and I think that shared understanding of community at its base, at its foundation, is incredibly important in events like this. Uh, and, and I just, uh, the opportunity to share stories and meet people and, and really come back to the human element of all of this innovation that we talk about is really important. And I think Gen Global do a great job of that. Mm. And if there's one thing you want people in the world to know about entrepreneurship, what would you tell them? It's available and accessible to all. Mm. Uh, it is not something that you necessarily need to be born with or born into. Uh, and and it is really around what is the problem that you want to solve, what's the impact you want to have in the world, and how does entrepreneurial thinking help you solve that? Thank you so much for your time. Pleasure.